my side of the, of all the episodes until now has just been whatever streamed online. So now we'll get good audio of it's both true. me and you. It's true. It's true. It's Iron- be ironically, great. you getting a nice board means I'll sound better. Well, the best the best part is people listening to this are already just so excited how great it sounds. They don't even give a shit no, about any of this. So today, turn very it exciting. the fuck up. Turn it up. <laughs> turn it up. When you were in art school, oh, did God. you ever have to watch Unchien Andalou, the, uh, the Boone I mean, Well film I, I with Salvador Dali? I don't think we had to, but I mean, it, did it you? came up somewhere. I, I mean, I don't think it, I don't remember like here, sit down and watch this. I, I know it came up somewhere because there. And, I mean, there's a song about that film with like the woman who cuts open her eyeball. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're like surrealist. Oh man, I love the Pixies so much. So what are we listening to today, Jay? We're listening to Doolittle by Doolittle, just. Pixies. I don't even Pixies. think they're the Pixies, right? They're one of those bands that's like Pixies. Don't Pixies. don't make it the. I mean, I'm just saying. Not not that no, you did, but 1989. Yeah, that's the fucking crazy part. Classic. Well, yeah. Just listening to Debaser, I was listening to it again, like just this morning. Just just put it on while I'm like setting up, and I was like, God, you just get this insane fucking energy, and that's what I kept reading about. Every review, every and especially in England, because all right, all right, all right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Get into here. it. My name is Matt. I'm Jason, and uh, we started this podcast because we've been friends uh, since high school, and we played in a lot of bands together. Most of them inspired by the Pixies, I think. <laughs> and music has always been a part of our friendship. Yeah, so we want to talk about albums that are just meaningful, uh, good or bad. They're just, how about influential in our lives in one way or another? And today, the Pixies Doolittle is one um, that was one of those records. And Matt's going to tell you the name of the show. The name of our podcast is... We listen. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. oh, it got so professional. Oh, I know. Why am I not getting any effects <laughs> off the goddamn board? That's because I was messing with my shit last night. Are you nice. ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We, we listen, listen to records. Oh, that's good. That's a good yeah, one. That's a good one. Good one. All right. Um, so, no, sorry about the fuck up. Well, Jason, no, I'll fix please. it in post. No, I'm not. This is <laughs> it, buddy. It's going out. So what I'm, what I'm going to say, and I think I'm going to have to start over and listen to the, the just let's let's listen just, to the fucking beginning of the baser again. I, I, I mean, this baseline getting, is amazing. We're getting ahead of ourselves because, okay, just listen to this part again. I just want to get into a little bit of the vocal.
Okay, a couple of things right away when I'm as I'm doing some research. First of all, Frank Black is like he says in this interview I was reading, he's like, uh, the only classes I really enjoyed were like a linguist class that I took and I forget what the other one was, but he was basically like he's like in Debaser, he's like uh, the the French didn't sound as good, so I did the French and then the Spanish Andalusia because it just sounded better. So he's like, so I did the French on Chien and then Andalusia, and he's like, he's like, who cares? This he's like, none of this. This is like about his lyrics too. He's like, this is all like surrealist. He's like, I've always seen my my lyrics as surrealist more than anything, and just really. You know, mixing up the 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 um, origins of of the language and even like what I'm talking about, and as long as it's and and he was talking about Serge Gainsbourg and how he was he called himself a surrealist and that the way that he was just making up lyrics and stuff and not really worrying about you know it's autobiographical well, one or, of, or specific one of my stories. Pet, pet peeves as an art school professor. Yeah. Is the use of the word surrealist. Okay. Right? Because, like, and, and I think Frank Black is actually using it accurately. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. In, but surrealism, like, there was a manifesto. They were actually, they had goals. Like, right. they, were, they were making a political statement. Like, right. surrealism was reacting to a certain moment in the world. Yeah. And, and I think, like, Frank Black and the Pix- and Pixies um, are, are definitely pulling from that. So I'm not saying this about them, but among my students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The word surrealist gets thrown out as an excuse for being lazy or sloppy. Yeah. You know, my, my, my work is not as technically accomplished as I want, or it's not as coherent as I want, or it's not as it's not speaking the way that I want. Well, then it's surrealist, right? Mm. It's, it's like among art school students, it's like a throwaway, um, like, oh, it's not meant to be logical <laughs> or, or make sense. It's, it's surrealist. It's the so lo-fi. So I, I, I have a real, like, I, I have real trouble with that word because unless, I mean... An album that starts off with a song about a Boonwell Salvador Dali film is like, I know what I'm doing. Right. I've earned the right to talk about surrealism. Right. So, right, right. again, I'm not saying that's that's the case here. No, no, but, yeah. But, but I, I always get a little cringe when I hear the word surrealist. I'm just <laughs> like, oh, you're just trying to justify shitty work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but this album, fuck, dude, they know what they're doing. I mean, just like the way that he explodes into Debaser just screaming his face off. I mean, that, okay, so here's this band. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking out the first year of the Pixies. They get together. Right, Boston, Boston band. In Boston, Boston band. I mean, Bo- this is so, Matt, I want to be in Boston. They get together. They're just like, um, I forget the exact, but this is the early days. They have some shitty rehearsal space by Fenway Park. Kim Deal's husband, she's married at the time, drops her off for band practice. And then goes and watches the game and then comes back and he would say that they would have like, you know, a few new songs completely written, you know, or, or they, he would hear something at the beginning and then he would be, you know, come back at the end of the game and it's like completely done and it's great. And he was always like, God, man, that's incredible. And uh, they go from that to playing a couple places and uh, who saw them? Somebody who started Ford Apache like oh, studio. Yeah. He was like. Guys, you you should we gotta cut like a demo or something. You guys are incredible, and because they had this energy live, and they didn't sound like anything, but they also weren't like, you know, this like new romantic 
stuff of the time or like I mean it's the late eighties. It's the fucking late. This is, we're talking about like cockatoo twins and and shit like well, yeah. that. Well, right? Come on, Pilgrim is what year? It's like eighty seven. Eighty seven is yeah. the beginning. And Doolittle's eighty nine. So, so they're they're just like rock. But also the other thing, uh, Frank Black was talking about because they uh, he was asked like, what were your influences around this time? What were you listening to? And he said, I was listening to Husker Du mostly and other sure, SST yeah. stuff. And and you're we, like, okay, totally. This is like his East Coast kind of really pop polished take on on Husker Du. Sure. Dude, we could we could turn like this podcast into the uh, Pixies Sonic Youth Husker Du podcast. <laughs> I'd be totally happy. No, it's funny. I'm kind of po- as you're talking. I'm poking around on Wikipedia a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, Fort Apache Studios is really close to my house. Yeah. Um, and then there were some satellite spaces in like rehearsal spaces and stuff that they recorded at well, the Cyclorama. Um, well, in the Cyclorama, where you and I have uh, shown our artwork yeah, there. Yeah. Um, but do you remember? Okay, this is going to be a slightly long story, but for our listeners, this okay. is. Um, okay, uh, your birthday for all of our listeners out there. Jason's birthday is September 10th, <laughs> so um, you have time to get him a present. Okay, um, plan ahead. You know he likes cards. He likes uh, cupcakes. Get to I don't the know story. Some, something nice. Okay, so your birthday September 10th, 2001. We were at a roof party at our friend Colin's house. Yep. Colin has often been in bands with us, so there's yep. a connection to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's the day before 9/11. That's not related. Across the street from his house yeah, yeah, is yeah. where they recorded three of the songs and for Come On Pilgrim. Wow. And two of the demos for Doolittle. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> That's, I didn't realize that. That's so awesome. we literally celebrated your birthday like yeah. Yeah. across the street yeah. from one of the, one of the like Fort Apache old just like junk basement spaces Jeez, that they used for like crazy. demos and stuff. That's awesome. Uh, it's still there actually. People still record there. That's amazing. So um, uh, so they. They get the attention of somebody who is like an engineer there who's like, guys, come in, record with us. Because they, at that time, Fort Apache really had, you know, they were, they were like, if we liked you, we would, we would cut a demo for you as cheaply as possible. And, (laughs) and record labels loved us, you know, because we could deliver something for like a couple thousand dollars. That sounded awesome. And, and they had a huge, and, and let's face it, that word got around and you have Dinosaur Jr. in there. You have every single, like, Throwing Muses, I think, were the big, the first biggest huge success they had, or something like that. So, just word spread immediately that like this was a, a different scene than your usual like recording studio. They just had a crazy space and just people willing to like do whatever it took to make a record cheaply, and that sounded awesome. So they so they get the Pixies in there and they make the Purple Tape, which is like twelve tracks that spanned throughout um come on pilgrim to do little to like surfer rosa it's like right. everything on it's there like the already Pixies done Bible. and they got in there and they did that in like five days maybe and uh and that demo gets sent to 4ad records in england because i think somebody knew somebody and and they immediately were like uh yeah definitely this is incredible and i think they they it even sent their demo to other labels of course and most of the labels were like well we want to we would if we would do this it would be for a multi you know six album deal or something and the pixies were like smartly with 4ad 4ad said we just want this record like we want one record and every record we do with our artists it's 
per record. We don't we don't lock you into some ten year thing. So the Pixies were like, great, we're going with you. Even though they were sort of like, well, our album is import only now in record stores, which is kind of crazy. And uh, if you can even find it, so that's kind of fucked up. But they did when as soon as they toured, uh, they went overseas and were like huge, like played ju- huge venues right away. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in this uh, uh, fool the world uh, book where they're like, where they're like, uh, yeah, we had no idea that like we we're so huge in Europe and like we just blew up well, over there. That that I mean, there's there's so much to talk about with the Pixies, but these early days, the the late '80s, it's for people who weren't there. For people who think of the Pixies as as like the the big huge band that they have become, they were never huge in their moment. Like yeah, no way. They were they were college radio, yeah. um, and they were they were you know. The sort of the grandparents of the alternative rock scene, and this was you know, their and hit song, and and this, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody well, knew them as like this sort of, is this like? But you, but you heard you heard it was like the Pixies, pop. REM. Um, there were a handful of bands that never, never made it to the mainstream right. radio right. culture. Like REM eventually crossed over. I don't think in their time the Pixies ever crossed over into the mainstream radio. No, no way. Like they were always college radio. They're always late night MTV. You know, you you just kind of heard of them from a friend who was cool, who had a cool older brother yeah. or something. Um, no, they were certified gold, five hundred thousand copies, ten years after it was released. Yeah. That's unheard of. But they've become this huge cultural yes. touchstone. I mean, Absolutely. Monkey Gone to Heaven has been in how many movies? Yeah, there's a, um, there's a page in this book of... of well... I mean, yeah, it's hundreds of movies. Well, I want to go back. You were talking about the Purple Tapes for a second. And looking at the, the track listing on Wikipedia, it's just like it is the... It's the demos for pretty much all of the it's best Pixie songs, right? It's crazy. But, but the one I want to call out here, and going yeah. back to starting with surrealism and starting yeah. with the fact that they actually know what they're doing and they're immersed in it, Yeah, they do a, a cover of In Heaven, yeah. which is the song from David Lynch's movie Eraserhead right. that the lady in the radiator sings to when the baby dies. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, Sorry yeah. for those of you who haven't <laughs> seen Eraserhead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I remember hearing this on some like obscure, like random mixtape that somebody gave me, and I was like, "Who the fuck covered the Radiator song <laughs> from Eraserhead?" And it, they do it so beautifully yeah. and so well. And it's it's always been one of my favorite Pixies tracks because it it lifts like a moment out of this fucked up, beautiful, dark, weird, hard to watch film, <laughs> and it's like a minute and a half of just like, wow, like there's real beauty. In a racer head, if you're looking, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that's. I think in a lot of ways, that's what Frank Black was really good at was finding real beauty mm. nestled in places where you wouldn't expect it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of this just from reading about them and and this this book especially is like they were really just running on like youth and instinct. And like we don't know what we're doing, and uh, this is working. Okay, sure, we'll we'll be on your record label. Oh, what's next? Uh, let's play. Okay, you want to bring us to Europe? Sure, yeah, let's do it. And like there was no precedent for this is how you do it or shouldn't do it or 
or you know he was just sort of like right. all right I'm, I'm in this club now of music so i guess this is the next step well, yay i mean it, it is such a weird you know you got frank black and um uh, uh joey santiago is that yeah. his name yeah yeah um who are like college buddies from umass right who, like meet in a dorm room and start playing right. music together right. And then the, I don't know where they meet Lovering. I think he was just like part of the Boston like independent yeah. music scene. Yeah. And then Kim Deal just kind of gets thrown in one day, and she's like married well, she, and like not right. really into it. And well, she and, said like from she moved from wherever the fuck they were from in like the Midwest, and was were like oh they had some weird opportunity. Her husband had some job in Boston, so they're like great, let's move to Boston. Her and her sister, because her sister's right, you know, Kelly Deal, super into you know the same the same thing. And what's funny is reading about them; they were recording on like you know putting boomboxes together and early four tracks. Like they've been hardcore into like we want to be songwriters. Like they told their parents when they were like twelve, we want to write songs for other people right. to sing. <laughs> and for <laughs> anybody listening who may or like if you're listening to this and you don't already know what I'm about to say, then I I don't know how to help you, but. They become the Breeders yeah, later. Yeah, 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 yeah. With, totally. Like, do you remember who the drummer from the Breeders is, bud? It's the dude from Slint. It's the dude from Slint. How and fucked up is that? That's insane. And and that's all because of, uh, I'm pretty sure because of Fort Apache. Oh, no, wait. No. No, who that's because of, uh, what's his name? Steve Albini. Steve Albini. Who yeah. said, oh, you're doing a side project? And, you need, and she was like, yeah, we need a drummer. And he's like, well, my favorite band is Slint, so you should get that guy. You should get that guy. And she was like, okay. Hey, um, we listen to records. There's like we can talk okay, all day. So I really want to get into the Frank and Kim situation. Um, yeah. I really want to get in, but let's just listen to Wave of Mutilation because it is maybe the best. I mean, there's a lot of great tracks in this well, album, but this is definitely well, a good okay, one. Okay, let's listen to that. But I, I want to get into Here Comes Your Man because of how crazy. Oh, great. Then, then play Here Comes is. Your Man. All right, all right. Let's play that one. Right, right from that, <laughs> op- there's that opening like, sure. It's just like off a little bit, and I love that that opening. That's like, here's this super pop, just like saccharine, almost like '60s kind of like, I don't know, like not Beach Boys, but some kind of, you know what I mean? Like that style. Like sure. here comes your man. It's so. It always struck me as like, this is the same band, and I remember hearing this song and. Not putting it together with the Pixies at all. This is their like track that makes no sense, and that of course well, it's, they it's, picked it's out. The as only the track single. on this album. It's the only track on this album that's like a callback to Bossa Nova. 
which used a lot more of okay. that kind of surfy, like okay. bossa nova sound. Um, uh, but getting back to like surrealist too, uh, when you actually look at the lyrics to this song, it's like, oh, here comes your man, blah blah blah, yeah, do do do. And you're like, wait, we're talking about hobos in a boxcar making food in like a frying pan. These are the lyrics. This is like this is not some this, this is, is their pop that, hit. that awesome like he's cre- like you know somebody singing out of a radiator. He's creating this like really great moment in like a hobo culture. Sure. <laughs> well, there's this <laughs> which song, is amazing. This there's a couple songs in this album cuz like Doolittle happens sort of at the perfect moment of Pixies-ness yeah. where their their talent and their like growing hatred for each for each other actually like works. <laughs> yeah. Like by the yes. time they get to Trompe Lamon, like they just openly hate each other. Yeah. Um, but like, what's interesting about the Pixies, and I think this is this this is true of a lot of bands, is the tension in the band of two yeah. true geniuses trying to get their brilliance across. Yeah. And and often fighting and struggling to make that work is yeah. what makes an amazing album. Yeah. And I think and I compare it in a lot of ways to something like at the drive in, which had those like crazy like punk rock tendencies paired with the more sort of pop mainstream tendencies. And when they split up, they co- become the Mars Volta and Sparta. Right. Like, right. Right. Like very wacky and very mainstream. Um, and when yeah. the Pixies split up, you know, like Frank Black's solo stuff is kind of unlistenably lame. I've, I've never even tried to, you know, it, honestly. And like Kim Deal, like the Breeders were great, um, but they were, a, for me, a little one note. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I mean, I think it was, you know, I'm trying to think of other bands that have done that when they split up. I mean, it, it's, but but like in the case of the Pixies, it's like Kim is fighting for one thing and Frank is fighting for one thing. And when they they find some balance in that tension, yeah. you, you get... Doolittle, oh, or yeah. you get Bossa Nova. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I I'm I'm 100% sure that's not sustainable. Like I don't think you can no. be in a room with someone that you're constantly like 100% high key at odds no. with at no all way. times. Um, but no like, way for because those, because yeah, you had that super strong personality of Kim who is literally like, well, I joined this band because I thought they were doing cool shit, and I just moved here. But now I want to. Now I've, I've always wanted to do my own shit, and right. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And I'm sure that's kind of pissing off. I mean, I've heard it sort of pissed him off that she's constantly working on these side projects throughout, like their touring right. and their other stuff. Or she's basically like, "Yeah, the Pixies are not my main, uh, you know, focus in my life." <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Imagine that. Well, and th- that's also a sign of like. Where things were, yeah. I yeah, mean, sure. you know, putting um, you know these songs in Fight Club and things like that—that that all happens later. I oh mean, my that, God. that was not going on. No, you know, I mean, I do remember I was the right age. I was probably well, 15, 14, 15 when uh, Tromplemont came out, yeah. and I do remember there was a big like advertising push huh. to like me. You know, I remember them being on like the cover spin. Spin magazine. Sorry. Oh, really? My microphone over. Um, and like, you huh. know, there, I remember them. There, there was more of a push to put the Pixies out as like, like you know, because alternative. Cause, you know, yeah. I yeah. mean, at that point, it hadn't happened yet, but Nirvana was on the horizon. Like the yeah, the water was boiling, but it hadn't like boiled over the the rim of the pot yet. Yeah. And I think you know everybody knew that the Pixies were, at that point, one of the great 
you know, things that were going on in music. Um, I mean, it's not on this album, but I do have to mention, and God bless them, but on their last album, the Pixies do a cover of the Jesus and Mary Chain song, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Head On. Sure. Which, you know, is, was, I mean, I think that's the power of a band like this. When they have their little niche, they can start exposing other good bands, other good stuff to people. Yeah. Through, yeah. through covers, through, like, call-outs, through live shows. Yeah. I think, like, the Pixies definitely got to the point where they were not the opening act. They were... I- they were raising other people You know, up. I, I got to play this um, this clip that I found. Oh, yeah, play the clip. Frank Black. Uh, let me just... Make uh, sure you hit that, hit that yeah, button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, okay, hold on one second. Guys, right. don't, gee, you guys don't say too much, you know. Uh, this is in recent years. You don't say too much to the audience. What's wrong? You go, you go, they seem like they're in a pretty bad mood. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I'm sorry, man, but I'm not... I've stopped. I've stopped a festival gig one time. It's like they're like throwing around this big blow-up beach ball in the shape of a shark or something. Yeah. And I was just like, "All right, just stop. Just stop. Give me the shark. Throw the shark up here. That is not going to happen at this gig. I'm sorry. You guys don't get it. Yeah. This is not about like kicking a beach ball around. That's a different band. That's a different yeah, yeah. show. Whatever, man. <laughs> And that's what I don't, I don't, it's like, I, I, I just get dumbfounded when people are like, you guys don't seem like you're in a very good mood. There's a lot of, come on, everybody, put your hands together. Right. Come on. Yeah, woo. Yeah. You guys having a good time tonight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know I mean, it's just like, we come from a time when that was just the last thing in the world you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want to do to manipulate the audience and have them in the palm of your hand. But you're not going to do that. You're not going to do Las Vegas. That was the thing. I was like, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. That is wrong. No, it's true. There was a boss. I just thought that was yeah. awesome. Well, it is. I mean, back to where we started with surrealism and all that. Like, yeah. I I would, I'm going on the record on the internet's podcasting <laughs> universe. I would call this art. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think that they were aspiring to be like pop musicians. No way. With like, you know, rock and roll hall of fameness. I, I mean, I think some of that comes later. Whatever. I I really do. I, especially with Frank, more than Kim. I think that the lyrics and the style and the structure of this album is like, we we have something to say. We are making a statement. We are, we are making something that is artistic. And I want you to view it in the same way that you would a painting in a museum. Yeah. Right. I, it's it's that paired with this work ethic of like i mean and and everybody who worked with them said that like they would go in and they could have i mean steve albini said we were we were done recording uh uh was it yeah what did he do do little or no he did he did uh shit oh i don't know right before Anyway. Oh, Bossa Nova. Yeah, he was like, we were done in like three days. So we just fucked around the rest of the time. Seeing if we could make stuff better or whatever. But like, they they were just on top of their shit of like, here's like literally the, uh, the um, uh, I think when, when 4AD called them like, yeah, let's do a record. Frank Black turned over like that death death to the pixies flyer that he was putting around town that people were like who are these guys and just wrote out a, a list of like here's the track list this is what we're gonna do and they put it on the wall and they went down and they recorded each track boom 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 we're done with the record 
Like by the way, just, just so be, to avoid the hate mail that I know is coming. Okay. By the way, what's the email address where people can send me hate mail? Records at HarveyLovesHarvey.com. Harvey Loves Harvey. It's a man in love with himself. Records yeah. at HarveyLovesHarvey.com. Or you can do the Twitter. What's the Twitter? At, at we yeah. listen. Number two, number one. All right, those are our social medias. We'll repeat them at the end. Anyway, send your hate mail uh, to the email because the album that Steve Albini recorded was Surfer Rosa. <laughs> okay, okay. There you go. Live, um, live action fact checking for you people. <laughs> we don't, we don't even wait till the end of the episode. We don't do corrections corner next episode like some of those <laughs> shitty murder podcasts that you listen no. to. No, we do it live. Anyway, no, I, I completely agree with you. Like the the what did they do? Three albums in two years? I mean, amazing. Well, yeah, I mean that that first year they go from they go from the uh, the purple tapes are released. Six months later, Four AD signs them. They do the Come On Pilgrim LP in the summer. They record it. Then they do Surfer Rosa. Six months later, the beginning of '88. So that's a year. They were like right. ready to go. They were. It's like it's. It is it's incredible how like when I look at this timeline, the this the songs that they had already done and that they were capable of writing on the fly, all together with that tension, with that group and 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 putting them out there and, and going for it and not second guessing any of it and sure. and coming up with these this I mean, his bizarre vocal delivery and they're always messing with like different the different mics and the you know, there's like a distorted vocal here on top of you know this screaming and then you know a lot of times you're like what the fuck is going on in this record yeah and well let me i want to throw one fun in uh, pop way i want to throw one fun little fact at you and then let's listen to i want to listen to yeah, monkey gun heaven okay okay tiny little fact just connecting because on we listen to records we yeah. listen to a lot of records and we know our audience cares about continuity. David Lovering, drummer yes. of the Pixies, yes, uh, went on to play drums in the band Cracker, <laughs> fronted by David Lowry okay. from Camper Van Beethoven. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! Episode three. Uh, let's good. listen to Monkey Gone to Heaven. Okay. In the sky 
Listening to that and putting myself back into like the 80s, right? Because I, I mean, how yeah. many times have you heard this song? Like eight million. Like, uh-huh. like I, it's part of my DNA at this point. So, so trying to remember like what it must have been like to write this song, and I'm realizing how much of what they're doing in this song is taking like 80s music tropes and putting them like together the wrong way. Yeah, right. Right. Let right. me let me just throw out like yeah, two yeah. or three that I was thinking about right there. One. Like, he has a, you know, Kim Deal is playing the part of the female backup vocalist. Yeah, right. Which, in, like, 70s and 80s music is, like, she's reinforcing the man. Like, think of, like, Shaft's background singers or whatever, right? Like, but instead of, like, her backing up Frank and, like, like lifting him up with, like, a little, like, female backup note, yeah. she sounds, like, almost depressed and annoyed that she has to be there, <laughs> right? Like, it's like the backup singer gone wrong, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's one of it. And then, like, the parts where the song climbs or the sort of, like, guitar rock parts are yeah. all in the wrong place. Yeah, to be yeah. an 80s like rock song and then they go to the guitar solo which is a staple of 80s rock every song yeah. has to have the guitar solo yeah. and it's just Joey Santiago like basically just kind of noodling on two notes up and down yeah. like it is it is definitively not an 80s rock solo but they're right. like we, we gotta have a rock solo guitar solo in this song so here you go and he's just like yeah no I'm not doing that <laughs> and like, and like there's, a, there's just layers of like expectation and denial right yeah, yeah where they're they're building a song that has all of the components like they read the manual but then they put it all together wrong yeah yeah or sure. like or they just don't give a shit about doing the the i think doing that's it what right it i think they didn't care about conventions i i think they like you said they they never had any expectations to be well played but i would anywhere. argue if, if you don't care about conventions don't have an 80s guitar solo I think they do right, care right, about conventions. Right, right. I think they care about pointing those to conventions and being like, "We're, okay. we are." I am acknowledging that convention, but I'm also denying that convention. Okay. Right. Yeah, I mean denying it in every sense. I mean, I'm not gonna sing the song. I'm gonna right. talk the lyrics. I'm gonna I'm gonna create this weird part in the middle where there's nothing happening except my lyric. And and then he even talks about like, there he was like. He's like, yeah, I think there's something in the Hebrew Bible about like, like <laughs> the uh, numerical, numer- like man's stuff. being six and something. But he's like, he, he goes, I never looked it up. Don't quote me. I don't know if it's true. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm not a source for anything. Like, Do you remember the, the Bloodhound Gang? It just came <laughs> out of like this random thing that he had heard, true or not. Like it, do- like it doesn't matter. He's like, well, this is makes sense in this song in my surrealist world. In my world, it yeah. makes sense, and that's what. The end, you know? But, I mean, and this what's goes interesting back to about the Pixies and their supposed surrealism is how much you can, like, project onto it. Like, like people see environmentalism in this song or, like, religion and <laughs> spirituality in this song. Yeah, sure. You know, well, like, 10 million course. pounds of sludge dumped on New yeah. York and New Jersey. <laughs> like, like, there's, the, like, he's throwing a lot of things together yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. do stick. Yeah. Whether or not he's intending them to stick. And then people can show up and be like, this song is about religion. This song is about environmentalism. This is about how we tr- mistreat animals. This is right. about like, and you're like, yeah, it's, it's all in there if you find it. 
Um, what, what, well, go back to what you're saying about built to spill. Well, it just, it just, I was just trying to think about the way, the, in the ways that they kind of, for me, f- after thinking about it with you and that album was sort of failing at not having a view. And then you have this, I guess, I mean, I guess the viewpoint here, like, is surrealism a viewpoint? I mean, it's sort of like a, 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 a way of approaching the content. So, uh, because I don't know, like I, I guess I'm a little uncomfortable with how sort of lack of direction this this has in a weird way too, in the way that he is like, yeah, whatever the lyrics. The same way that um, Doug March was basically, right? Like these lyrics don't fucking matter, and but in a different way, where I think they do matter when they have that like. I don't know. I, they, I, th- you know I what I mean? Like they're both I, saying that. No. They're both saying the same thing. Lyrics don't it, matter. It, it, it may just be <laughs> that I love this album more than of that still album, and I'm willing to give it more latitude. But I like I, I do, it's the whole package though. It's like it's like his lyrics don't work because, or they don't work for me as well. Obviously, because they what? Well, I, I'm going to yeah. throw out an art school world word here, sure. right? I'm an art school professor. But I, I think what works about the Pixies is, the, here's your word, juxtaposition, yeah. right? Yeah. Because he is, in all of these songs, they are often pitting c- opposing ideas against each other. Yeah. Right? And you, the viewer, are ebbing and flowing through sort of layers of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. That, that are often like happy, sad, loud, quiet, right. angry, peaceful, whatever, right? Yeah. Whereas with something like Built to Spill, the, like a, a song exists in one emotional space from beginning to end. Yeah. yeah right? Except yeah, yeah. for the Neil yeah. Young cover, which right. is a whole other thing. Um, and no, if you haven't listened to two episodes ago, we did Built to Spill's Live. That's what we're referring to here. But in the case of the Pixies, the, the lyrics are a, a really great literary example of yeah. putting together words and ideas you know, in a, in a poetic or like again surrealist kind of way, where you're you're juxtaposing things that don't belong together yeah. in a way that creates like tension in your brain, and you invent new stuff. Like I think people project a lot of stuff onto this album because that the gap between A and B is where your brain makes meaning. Well, okay, well, and and I would also like now that I'm thinking, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking about it. It's like you're right. The the Doug March character has a pretty you you understand him really quickly, and it's a pretty you know it's not that interesting to be honest, which you know I can relate to. I don't think I am. But I mean, then, you picked you picked real estate, so there's that. Yeah, sure, right. That's yeah, that's that's me. Give me some <laughs> boring boring old day doing nothing. That's that's my life. Congratulations. Um, so I can relate to that. But whereas the Pixies give you this insane. Rainbow, just, I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, it is. It is like that that great novel where all of a sudden you have, or or the or the David Lynch movie where this character is like could do anything and has so many layers to them, but is so specific at the same time and weird that you're just like, I have to see what this guy's gonna do. This is insane. What's this guy up to? And every track on hey. this record is like that. And speaking of which, turn it up.
I mean, what better example in a lot of ways of an album that's just juxtaposing so many things, right? We've been through yeah. Debaser and slicing up eyeballs and a wave of mutilation <laughs> and a mountain of sludge covering New York and New Jersey. And then all of a sudden they just, let's just take out time for a two and a half minute song where we just tell you we love you. <laughs> but also right? there's some and, weird but then, but things then, happening in the background there. Where there's some like, weird shit. But also it's people that, talking like, like slint style, yeah. you know. But also, it's 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 like you're so set up to take this ironically, right? Yeah. Or sarc- right. sarcastically, maybe. Or suspiciously, like you're like you're like. Mm, yeah. Why is he suddenly telling me he yeah. loves me? Like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't. I'm not sure. And it's I not believe him either. This. It's not even. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's not Frank Black, right? It's like who's this guy? Oh on. yeah. It's, well, I think it is. It's, is it Frank? I don't know. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's not. It's um. Is it Lovering? It or is. Joey? Yeah, and they had to like. Real, they were like, "Come on, just do this," and like they yeah. finally got into the studio to do it. And they were kind of like joking around when they did this this last part. They just faded everything out because they were like, "Oh, listen to this vocal. Oh, it's so great. Good job, David." <laughs> like they're kind of fucking so, with him. That's the way I. Well, took they're fucking it. with him, and they're fucking with you, the yes. listener, right? Because you're like, then you're gonna go right like? into number thirteen, baby. Turn yeah. that up. Yeah. I mean, the, Frank Black is like unhinged on this record. He's like, no, this he's is... like, screw. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. Dude, like he's like, I love so every Pixies awesome. record. You could put on any Pixies album, and I'm, I've got a smile on my yes, face from yes, beginning to end. Yes, I love Doolittle the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I even love for those of you listening who are Pixies diehards. I even love Tromplemont, the album that people tend to talk shit about. <laughs> Still fucking love that album. Yeah, yeah. The Navajo No. Fucking great song, Alec yeah. Eiffel. Fucking great song. Oh, the um, best. Uh, love the head on cover. Yep. But Doolittle, from start to finish, there isn't a single note on this album that makes me upset. I mean, literally, Kurt Cobain said, "Smells like Teen Spirit." We were trying to write a Pixie song. That's that he he said that. Yeah, and they failed. They didn't come close. <laughs> Sorry, it's dude. true. It's true. But this, I mean, like every song on this album is better than. Like the worst song on Doolittle is better than the best song on Nevermind. Oh, I don't know, man. That's hard to. But yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, if, yeah. When you when you okay, think maybe about, maybe Crackety Jones is worse than. Are you <laughs> than Some of the songs. That's on another I'm, example of like, what the fuck? This is bonkers. Like, and 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 I really I have to appreciate that where where they they go so off the rails in trying to push listenability and experimentation and pop music and just being like again like we don't have those expectations but this is for us and it's insane so i have one my my lovely wife oh whoa whoa, whoa. I mean, if that's not their like who's do sort of homage there, you know, it and is. And but by '89, like that sound oh, like yeah. isn't as raw as it, you know, was in '84. Um, well, but it's but no, it's just band, such a call out. Yeah, it's like. But back to number whoa. thirteen, baby, for a second. Back yeah, yeah. when my now wife and and I were still very young and dating and poor, she really wanted to get a a uh, tattoo 
of the number 13 <laughs> in the appropriate place. <laughs> and we couldn't afford it. And it never happened. Now, I, every once in a while it comes up. She's like, yeah. But, but oh I want to, like, <laughs> like um, related to that, you know how, like, how do I say this delicately? You know how, like, sometimes you're dating someone or you're involved with someone and the music you're listening to becomes, like, associated with that person? Yeah, yeah. And then you get, you break up or you're not friends anymore or you move on, whatever it is. Yeah. And then when you listen to that album, you, like, you, you immediately go back to that time. So, you, you like, listening to that album is hard or it's complicated because it's attached to those other oh, emotions. yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, Doolittle spans three girlfriends. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'll give up the girl. I'm not giving up the album. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> like, like yeah. I listen to this now, and I'm yeah. like, oh, fun times with so-and-so. Oh, fun times with so-and-so. Fun times with the woman I have been married to for a long time. Um, uh, like, the the album survives. Fuck the relationships. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, which you know, because there's so much stuff I listen to. It's like, oh, it immediately takes me back in time, or you know, to something or other. Like Doolittle, it's just too good. It's yeah, too fucking good. You know what? It's kind of true. A lo- yeah, a lot of records do live in that time. Like I think, and I think we've covered some on this podcast already. Where yeah. like, yeah, that lives in that time and place. Basically, I don't, I don't want to go back to that island. And the Pixies Island, I go, yeah, I'm taking a special trip there next weekend. I'm going to stay yeah. a while, maybe a week, and then I'll it go is, back to my I, I don't think I have ever left the island, man. I bought a cottage <laughs> on the coast. That's right. I've, I've, I go back every I couple of weeks. I bought property on yeah. Pixies Island. No, I go, I'm, I'm I go like, once I'm, a year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. It um, is. It is. It's a great place to be. Man, um, yeah, still. So we do have to talk. I mean, I think we, we maybe covered it, but... Um, uh, you know the the tension between Frank and Kim is the the central tension well, of the band. Now were they and involved? This is, I'm getting different uh, stories. Well, I mean, she was she was were. married. Right. We already covered that she was married. She was divorced by this record. Because I mean, I read you read the same thirty three and a third that I did, which basically oh, yeah. says nobody really knows. Okay, okay. But they right. like the author of that book says I don't think so. It was yeah. more rumor than fact. Right, um, right, right. I mean, whether or not they were like. Physically and and or like relationship yeah, wise yeah, yeah. involved, yeah. they were thoroughly emotionally involved because they wrote these albums. Yeah, and yeah. and you don't these are not like surface pop like like you got to dig pretty deep into some emotional and psychological spaces to write Bossa Nova or Doolittle, right? Yeah, um, and they're sitting around like like we know that they covered a song from David Lynch's Eraserhead, right? God knows what else they're watching, listening to, inspired by, right? Like the stuff that turns up in their albums from Eraserhead to the Jesus and Mary chain to, you know, like we know that they're pulling inspiration from all these crazy places and God knows what they're watching, listening to, experiencing that never made it onto a record. Right. Um, So, you know, they are, and that work ethic that you mentioned is, is, has got to extend outside of playing in the studio to the research and the learning and the immersion that's going on to craft these songs. Mm. So, you know, we know that they're watching, you know, Boonwell films and, you know, like whatever. So like whether or not they're doing that collectively as a band, like, like the emotional and psychological and intellectual, like interlocking nature that has to go on to make this stuff happen. Yeah. They're in a relationship. Right. Oh, sure. And and it's funny too because people were, uh, I think, in that same uh, interview that we just heard, which was actually sound opinions from WBEZ in Chicago with Jim Duragatis, the critic. Um, that's that's where that's from. An old show that they did about Doolittle. 
um, which hey, go listen to it's it's somewhere out there on on iTunes or whatever. Um, but he asks him about uh, Joey's like stuff. He's like, "How did you guys write? Did you sort of like did you come to him with something and he would mess around with it or like where is he coming up with this guitar stuff?" And um, Frank Black is like, "You know what? He doesn't talk too much, and I don't really ask him about it, and <laughs> right. I have no idea." <laughs> he's kind of like a quiet guy who's sort of like he channels everything through this kind of weird take on uh, a lot of these tracks I, he's like I don't know man <laughs> it's really so I was like that's crazy because you're because ta- he's talking during you know this is when the pixies are back together and they're touring again so he still has I mean this is like you know 30 years later he doesn't know right. there's no idea <laughs> and I, I sort of get the, the feeling like the magic would you know a little bit of that would be broken like there maybe is that there are those layers there and they, they weren't a band who had known each other since they were in high school right they got together with this specific purpose maybe in college but right afterwards of like this is what we're doing right and we're taking this seriously and we well, and that's one we of the can be around each other, but we're not. We don't have that intense shorthand or major history to sort of fuck it up in a way. It's sort of like we're professionals. We're getting together to do this. To we'll go our own. own ways a little bit. We get along just fine, obviously. It, you know, most of the time, whatever. In a van, we do. Sure. So we can do but, this. We're not going to implode in in a year, but uh, but we're also not like sleeping with each other's girlfriend i mean i don't maybe who knows but maybe. like you know well, like it's not that crazy see when you look at i mean just just hanging on to do little here for a second i'm gonna draw in some other stuff but when you look at the titles of these songs or the themes of these songs yeah they seem to be pretty abstract yeah, and yeah, po- yeah. pulled from a lot of places right yeah, yeah. like like you can guess because everybody writes songs in some way from personal experience. Right. Um, but you can guess that these are uh, very abstract abstractions of those experiences. Yeah. Um, but when you jump ahead to the, the next album, th- there's literally a song called UMass. Yeah. Which is where Frank and Joey met. Yeah. Which is so like, and it's not even, it's not that great of a song and it's really blunt and it's yeah. just like, UMass, it's educational. <laughs> and and so what what... I'm curious about, and I don't have an answer to this, yeah. is was the songwriting process on Tromplemont so, like, just fraught and the band was over at that point? Yeah. That they were just like, we're just going to, I've got this song about the dorm room we met in, whatever. <laughs> uh, like, I got nothing, dude. But see, um, but that's, but or, that's or, hold great, on. though, that they would write about that. You know what I but mean? But what I'm that saying they, is, or, amazing. or is Doolittle full of that stuff and we just don't know how to read it? We don't have the Rosetta Stone. You know, I don't think it's there yet. I think this is still a honeymoon period for them. You know what I mean? Because literally sure. they... Uh, this is when they're like, okay, we're a, we're, a, we're successful now, right? It's like right. They, they've been through the like, here's our initial album. Here's, here's a little bit of success. We're touring. Okay, people like us. All right, we're playing all the places in Boston. Everybody, we're getting... We're, we're on the radio. Hey, this is our this is our big chance, Doolittle, to like, you know, uh, bring it bring it like all to fruition, and they do totally. I think they're still definitely in very much of a like everybody, all eyes are on us in this small scene. Like right. we're not talking about you know major whatever, but but anybody who's interesting that we're interested in, 
is 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 kind of going. Oh, what are they going to do next? This is it. Right. For sure. This is that right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like when you bigger than uh, I mean, fuck. You know. According when you read the Wikipedia page, despite everything that they had done up to this, like this is considered their second studio album. Yeah. Right. Wh- which I find interesting because. You know, there's so much that came before this, and so little that comes after this. Right. Um, oh, I guess Boston. I get. I, I guess Bossa Nova came after this. I always forget yeah. that. I th- yeah. I always think of Bossa Nova's before this. Um, yeah, because Bossa Nova's fine, and then Trompelmond. I mean, I agree with the people who say that it's weak, even though I do really love it. Yeah. Um, uh, can I tell another funny story? Please. Um, so I don't know if it's a funny story, but. Um, one of my earliest jobs was as a janitor for a church. <laughs> Wait, is this um, is this back in the town? Yeah, in the farm from? town okay, where okay, I grew up okay, in. Okay, little, okay. it's my mom's church. She plays the organ okay, every Sunday. Okay, and uh, so they would just drop me off, and I was supposed to like, you know, I just had a key to the church, and I spent a couple hours a week cleaning it. Yeah. And when I first would go, it would just be me by myself, like in total silence for three hours, oh. like with the. Uh, you know, you, you ever been to a church? You know how much fucking oh, hardwood yeah. is in a church? You know how much pledge I would yeah. go through every week that, like, <laughs> spray polish crap? So then I started bringing, like, a little boombox, and I was, you know, it's church. Right. So right. I would, like, very timidly put on, like, you know, oh, you know, like, something that I thought was okay. I mean, they're alone. Right. It's just right, a, right. It's a building. Right. I mean, no, you, you still, know. yeah. <laughs> so, but eventually I was just like, fuck it. And I started listening to, so my, my big church cleaning albums were the Pixies. <laughs> <laughs> Do little, you know, uh, yeah. trouble on Boston yeah. um, and Jane's Addiction. <laughs> oh, nice! And I would listen to Nirvana's Bleach. This is right when oh, Nirvana's wow. Bleach came out. Yeah, so anybody yeah. who's trying to keep track of when I was a church janitor, yeah. <laughs> Google when uh, Bleach came out, like eighty nine, ninety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and anyway, I remember being in there like rocking out to. It was either Doolittle or Trompelmon, one of the Pixies yeah. albums. And the church minister came in, and I was, you know, I was just like rocking out like filling the whole church with this sound and I'm like up cleaning the pulpit and I just remember looking up and seeing the minister standing at the back of the <laughs> church just looking at me with yeah. this look of like amusement and annoyance <laughs> yeah, and right. so I didn't say anything he didn't say anything and I was like okay you know next week when I come in I'm not going to play any music I'm going to be really good <laughs> and I'm like I'm not going to and I showed up the next week and I was just like fuck you and I just put on yeah, good, good. <laughs> the same album and just listened to it I was like it was it was my little Start of rebellion against church is I'm yeah I have yeah. to clean this place I'm gonna listen to and something as loud an adult, while I do it. You have to think like he didn't give a shit. I mean he's just like come on, you know. No, but like, it's like, like funny like, as a kid you're like oh fuck that's yeah it. this authority I'm figure so and, screwed. You know. <laughs> but also I mean in my like memory, it is a sign of how outside the mainstream that bands like the Pixies yeah. would have been. Yeah yeah. You know yeah. if I was if I was playing Motley Crue I yeah, might right. have got a little like. Tut tut, that's a little extreme. <laughs> right, right, right. But like you know, everybody would have just There's smiled no and been like, "For this, yeah. no But this was so. Yeah. It was like it was like teleported in from the moon or something. Yeah. Like you know, I think more than its loudness, its foreignness was yes. the thing that I think yes. people responded to. Yeah, and it's um, funny you you uh, mentioned Jane's addiction too, because like I think uh, I do think like oh yeah. They they have a similar you know totally different band, uh, different scene everything. But like they do have a similar, um, uh, like what do you call it? like single mindedness or or like unique sort of unique take on what they're doing. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, if the Pixies were teleported in from the moon, Jane's Addiction came in from, like, Pluto, man. Right. Like, they were... That was the most exotic-sounding album I had ever heard at that time. And, and like, thinking about, like, Lollapalooza's of the time, too, where you would have, like, Meetzer Ebb and uh, Jane's Addiction on the same bill. And I guess I, at the time, I mean, now it's like, well, it's... It's kind of amazing they did have these all these bands with that kind of same vision of completely up their own asses that made it kind of amazing. And totally, and I think it all started with this sort of like just shot out of nowhere Pixies. Because well, dude, literally, I hear all, all of the all of the European journalists from NME, all those magazines were like, "Who the fuck are these guys?" This album is bonkers and incredible, and they they blew up immediately because again, England is like the size of Florida, and they have very good taste when it comes to music. And they knew they immediately. Do. They knew what's going on. And meanwhile, like they come back to the they come back to Boston, and they're like, they're like, yeah, we could get you know a couple hundred people to come see us, and like they were they were like they were playing like thousands to thousands of people immediately who were singing every word and they were like what's going on yeah. this is weird <laughs> it is again i mean not to you know beat a dead horse here but this was a time where there was no internet yeah. right if yeah. it didn't come a- across the mainstream either radio or limited television channels that you had to get new music if they weren't on saturday night live if they weren't on you know yeah, right. the they top never did 20 saturday hits live, did, they? did they ever do i don't, saturday? I don't, think, I don't so. think so i don't think so um Right. So so if if like those were if you were living in I don't know New York City or something like yeah. that, you, you know, London, you had access to all these great venues. But if you were living in farm country, you had three, maybe four channels to get music and that was it. And yeah. if they didn't come in that channel, you weren't going to get it. And so college radio, these like little local things run by college students who were just getting weird stuff from weird places from where well from wherever they were from that's the from thing wherever have, they're from right you have people going to college from wherever and they're like hey this is a band i like from from boston town, i got a tape of this band that i saw at some club yeah. in boston yeah because my you friends know, here's, going, here's the pixies my on friends like going to umass and uh these guys yeah. are great whatever yeah it's, it became, yeah. it's a whole oh my god man and Nobody that's how you heard this stuff my and kids so will never understand how we had to fucking find music. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the old man <laughs> I, version I, of like walking I uphill is like, you like kids having the internet? can listen to anything you yeah. want anytime. When I was a kid, I had to use a 56K modem to download porn off the internet. I had to give someone a tape. They had to go home, copy the tape, record it their own tape onto my tape in different orders of tracks yeah. and then write them down and give it to me. Yeah. Like no, it was a weeks. weird time. <laughs> All right. Here's the thing. L- let's listen to Wave of Mutilation in its entirety because okay. it deserves it. Okay. Then we'll do the disclaimer okay. and we'll uh, finish this thing up. I also want to say one thing. Shit, I had, I had something in my notes that... Fuck... The only thing, okay. Well, well, I promise you there are going to be more Pixies episodes because uh, there are. Yeah. So we, we can't just do Doolittle. So if you missed no. a fact about the Pixies, yeah, we'll get to you can, you can right. save it. All right, cool. We can so do a corrections corner on the next episode like like a, one of those podcasts I made fun of a few minutes ago. No, let's do no, I just it had uh, anyway. I can't. No, what is all it? Right. Find I it. can't remember now. That's the thing. Ah, uh, something to do with lame. Well, here, how about right. this? Tell I me was which, able. Which track. 
Uh, just play. Let's play Wave of Mutilation wave of in mutilation. its entirety. Here it comes. Ready? Play it. Uh, they were talking about in the book of how like to book a show and this was their early shows they were like they had to make a tape they had to go down to the bar where the booker maybe was going to hang out and then they'd be sitting around for hours waiting for the guy to show up and they'd be they'd be asking the bartender is that him is that the guy no okay great they finally get him like oh yeah that's the guy okay great here here's a tape we're the pixies uh, maybe we could play here sometime And the guy's like Okay sure yeah Let me go home and listen to it And get back to you I mean this is like This is how things happened For like the average band In the 80s You were never gonna get anywhere <laughs> You know what I mean Are you not even there Did you fucking leave the room Matt you're the worst Do you remember how, I think this happens for all like youth who listen to independent music or independent culture, but I definitely remember when we were younger, like selling out was a big problem. Like you didn't sure. want to listen to bands that had sold out. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I and mean, it was, yeah. And I remember the moment when in the final scene or the, the grand finale scene of Fight Club. Yeah. When that song comes on. And everybody around me was like, oh, the Pixies sold out. Can't wow. listen to them anymore. And Sell I was like, out as a soundtrack to Fight Club? Really? Yeah, which, like, the band had already Chuck broken Malinek up. Like, and, like, well, beyond that, but, like, this is not a sellout movie. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, like, I don't really think what so. The fuck. That's, but, that's I mean, it's, it's, it is, Stupid. it was one of those, like, sensitivities of the moment. You yeah, know? I mean, Alternative was kind of like. By that point, it was Becoming, over. That's the thing. It was really like, like, uh, oh yeah, fuck this and this whole thing and all these bands that are like not a part of the mainstream are garbage. I, I don't know. It's you know, thank God everything is splintered into a thousand fucking pieces. You can't even keep track of. It's really the best thing that happened to music. In a lot of ways, yeah. I mean, I my complaint as like a, you know, creeping up on middle aged dude, is my access to some of the best stuff is is limited you know like, i don't know man you have no excuse because you because you teach people who are in this time i do i Doolittle, compared to a lot of like, people my age i do get a lot of access to interesting should. stuff that i wouldn't because i mean that's got to come up in just whatever bullshitting conversation or whatever i am as, always like, amazed you know my my art students are obsessed with 90s music Weird. and i'm always amazed like what 
has bubbled to the surface that they listen to because yeah. like obviously they've heard of Nirvana, right? But like, like I don't know they, they'll get like a band or a song, but not the whole picture. And, yeah, right, right. And I'm sure we did that. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. 100% Every sure generation. that we did the same thing. Um, and But it always like it completely amuses me when I'm like, oh, you're into you know Nirvana. Have you ever heard the Pixies? And they're like, who's that? Yeah. Um, not that that particular conversation has happened. But um, here's the disclaimer. Uh, why don't you do the disclaimer? It's your turn. It's not our music. It's not our music. We, I could never. Here's another thing. You could this never is the do kind this. yeah this is the kind of band that really you go when you look at that timeline and you go fuck man uh I'm I'm never gonna even forget it I give up I give up honestly yeah. I mean what formed in 87 broke up in 91 92 yeah. put yeah. out some of the best albums ever recorded certainly yeah. Doolittle is would be in my top that's the th- five best albums ever recorded probably it's depressing they're so good you know, you and really then, are well, like, what's oh. really depressing is listening to Frank Black's solo stuff. I haven't. I don't want to now ever. That's what I mean, I've the, heard, the, and I've never even tried to. I mean, the breeders are the depressed. breeders are solid. There's some good, yeah, you know, I mean, ni- '90s tracks in there, Cannonball fun, and whatnot. Yeah, that's a fun. But album. man, Frank Black oh, solo. It's so that's clear weird. that with that's so weird. He's like, it's like when like. George Lucas in the prequels when no one would yeah, say no right. so every bad idea made it on screen yeah I guess like, so like that's Frank Black's solo stuff right like um, you came up with Star Wars that's awesome but you needed like a lot of restrictions on that idea yeah you, you came you up need- with uh, Doolittle <laughs> you needed those but, limitations um, of not having anything well not having anything but more importantly I think Back to my previous point, yeah. Frank Black needed the limitation of Kim Deal. Yeah, right, right. Like right. her going, oh, that's a dumb a idea. I have a better idea. Right. Like this idea, your idea plus my idea is a thousand times better than either idea individually. Like th- those fights need to happen. I'm sh- I'm sure emotionally it's awful, but that's yeah. how you get yeah, yeah, the yeah. the art. Yeah. No. Totally. And and I mean, I did hear hear. Uh, on that same actual, actually, that Sound Opinions podcast, hip talk about Kim saying, like, look, I realized after the fact today that I needed to have that um, that contrast and that and that audiences really love Kim and yeah. they don't like me and or like even or back, he's maybe he's talking about back then or whatever. He's not now, obviously, but he's saying like. You know, she was that like, you know, Kim comes on stage and she's smoking a cigarette and being a badass and everyone was like, yeah. And I'm just like, OK, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'll just I'll be over here. And and then he would fuck with her with like making her like sing into a different mic and like, sure. all kinds of weird. Well, it is. It is. When you look at the shit, when you look at the four people in the band, though, I mean, we've already addressed this a little bit, but lovering the drummer. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't want to be out front, right? Like no. they have to like really cajole him into singing "La La yep. Love You." Yeah, and Joey Santiago like he's in his own he's, world. He's just in his own world. Yeah. Like hides off in the corner. Yeah, would turn his back to the audience. Like not like you th- could just I could just picture. Here's a typical Pixies like rehearsal for a new track or whatever. It's like you know Frank Black comes in like, oh, I got this idea. Here, let me just bang this out. And then most of the time, probably Joey Santiago's like facing the wall or the corner, maybe with like headphones on. And he's just like, just playing, whatever, who knows. Just noodling around on his to guitar. Himself. And, and David Lovering's probably like, oh, I'm going to go smoke another cigarette. 
And Kim Deal's well. like, no, that's not. Don't play that part. Play this. Play this part there, and switch this around. And uh, and and then uh, you know what? I'll sing this thing over here. And the and two then, of them just arguing. <laughs> and they're just screaming at each other. And, they, and he's like, I'm going to go have another smoke. <laughs> yeah. David leaves. Well, and, and Joey's like not even really paying attention, just like I mean, we haven't touched on it. And I, part. <laughs> and I don't want this to be a theme on the on this podcast at all. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I believe Lovering did have a dr- drug problem oh, around this time. Oh. I don't know if it's during this album or after this album. But, you know, like that's p- a part of the Pixies breakup is yeah, like right. that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's it's just sort of a sad part of like I mean, rock and roll and music in general. It, like yeah. it, it's I don't think it's ever gone away. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a sad part of, of this time and this band is you know his his struggles. I mean, I believe according to things I've read, he's re- doing good now. So cool, uh, good for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we we utterly failed on the disclaimer. So I'm gonna do it again. Hey guys, <laughs> we we because <laughs> we I could talk about this album for another hour, but we got to get out of here. Yeah. We're already at a, like over an hour on the oh, podcast. Yeah. Um, so we don't own this music. We don't own the rights to this music. We're not making any money off this podcast. So if you want us to take it down, please just email us at records at harveyloves.harvey.com. We'll take it down. We won't put up a fight. We'll roll over like sad little babies. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's no need to get lawyers involved. We're just, we're just here for the music. And uh, if you are a member of the Pixies and you listened to this episode and thought we misrepresented you, come on the episode and tell us what we fucked up. Oh, that would be a much better episode. If I even knew um, that they would even oh, acknowledge Oh, you us. didn't know? They, they're huge fans of our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Frank Black, he's that always on Twitter be, telling everybody to listen to We Listen To Records podcast. Yeah. He's going like, fuck, episode, what, what is this, 17? Like, how do we get demoted to 17? We should be number one. We Anyway, because um, he's got that kind of ego. Uh, so that's the disclaimer-ish, I suppose. I think I accomplished all the disclaimer things I needed to do. Yep. So what's next up on the agenda, Jay? Well, you have to. You have to. Oh right, you're wait, gonna pick I a record. Do some records? No, I uh, picked this one. You picked this one, so I'm gonna so you give, give me you okay, great. three clues. This is our our format now. I give you three hints. Yep. Um, about three albums that I am interested in talking about and you're going to pick one of them. Right? Yes. Uh, are you ready? Ready. Okay, I went with a theme on this one because it's summer, right? Yep. And everybody likes ice cream in the summer and my whole life I was told I was lactose intolerant but now I found out I can eat dairy. So I have chosen wow. a, a dairy themed selection wow. of records for us what? to, to celebrate this, honestly a couple uh well it turns out i was allergic to Is onions that the, that we can talk about it off thing, the air man. no one really gives a shit about no, i know but I, i'm su- i'm shocked because i all right anyway that's yeah we'll, we'll no my whole life later. i was like you can't eat dairy and, yeah. and i can so that's all fuck, i, man, I eat ice cream. yeah so it's Amazing. a magical right. mystery wonderful time so yeah, it's summer i'm eating ice cream and i picked three dairy three themed records for us you ready ready your first clue. Ready? Here we go. Right. Number, Number one. one. I don't like that effect. I'm going to put a different effect on the next oh, one. Yeah. Number one is illegal and free dairy. Okay. Got it. Illegal and free dairy. Okay. All right. You got it? Yeah. Um, yep. Number two. Oh, it's a better sound. Uh, the king of dairy flowers. Okay. I think I know what that is. You think you know what that one is? Yeah. All right, we'll we'll test that in a minute. 
Uh, number three. Here we go. Number three. Ooh, that was loud. Those damned dairy tweakers. <laughs> uh, those damned dairy tweakers. Those damned oh, dairy tweakers. Dairy tweakers. All right. All right. So are you going to pick number well, one, number I two, or number three? Illegal fr- and free yeah. dairy. The king of dairy flowers are those damn dairy tweakers. Well, I think number two is Neutral Milk Hotel's Airplane Over the Sea. I have a you are you are correct. Okay. That's a, that's an amazing album. I'd love I to talk, talk about, about that. that sometime. But I'm more interested in what these other two could be. Illegal dairy and dairy tweakers. Those damned dairy tweakers. Which is... No. What? Uh, I'm keeping my mouth shut. You gotta okay. pick an album, dude. All right, all pick right, an album. Right, Everybody's right, listening. Everybody out there's waiting uh, with bated number breath. Number three. Number three. Yeah. Are you sure? No. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I'm not. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. Are you all sure? Right. Hold on. Uh, Illegal uh, dairy. Illegal dairy. Number one. Illegal and free dairy. <laughs> Illegal and free. All right. Are you sure? <laughs> Sure. That's You're my sure final answer. That's your final answer? Yes. You need to call a lifeline? No. Okay. I know that's what I want. Illegal and free. You're going with illegal and free dairy. Yes. yes Not yes. those damn dairy tweakers. Wait, what's those damn dairy tweakers? All right. I think illegal I and free dairy. Is. Number one. Yeah. Number okay, one. Go. Number one is the band Milk Music. Yes, it is. The album is called Cruise Your Illusion. <laughs> Their first real album. <laughs> Their first real I album. They have, they have an amazing EP we can also talk about. Um, yeah, Milk Music, one of these weird bands, relatively recent, right? The album came out in like oh, 2013. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, um, pretty recent. Kind of going back to our Built to Spill, Jim Rock, no, oh, right, you know, yeah. noodling guitar sounds. Um, love this album. It's a weird one. Um, our listeners oh, out there, it, if you. Though. Fucking, oh, it's yeah. so good, Matt. Get your hands on this thing. Listen Damn to it before next week. Yep. Cruise your illusion. Gives Cruise you all it. that you need to know about the mental state of this band. Um, <laughs> all right. Do you want to know what you didn't they pick? List their, I noticed they list their uh, pot dealer in the credits <laughs> of the record. Yeah, if you go onto YouTube to try to watch videos of them performing live, almost every live video of them begins with the singer explaining why somebody in the band is missing, and it's always because wow. they got arrested. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, like, I saw it, the whole band. Amazingly. Oh, yeah. I was lucky enough to Oh, I bet it was a great live show. Yeah. Um, so, again, if you're listening, Milk Music is the name of the band. Got it. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one, especially if you love sort of more like mellowy West Coast guitar rock. Oh, I um, Well, I won't get into it. Um, what? Just for my own, what was number three? Dairy okay, Tweakers? so number two was Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah. Keeping with our dairy yeah. theme. Yeah. Uh, the king of carrot flowers yeah. being the... And then the third album was Primus, Sailing the the Seas seas of of Cheese. cheese. Oh, man. You know, okay, okay, okay. That's, uh, it's funny, because I do want to talk about records like that that I had, like, no relationship to, but maybe When you picked it, I was just, I did one of those, like, um, like, you know on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, where they kind of try to talk people out of it? I was like, (laughs) I put this in there because I like it, but I'm like, I don't know if Jay would talk about (laughs) I no, really, I don't I, know that record at all, other than like a few videos that I probably saw at the time on 120 Minutes or something. But right. I never, Jer- Jerry was a race car I driver. I mean, t- talk about like, you know, another Frank Black who just was like, I know what I'm doing and I'm doing it. 
I am going to do joke songs about whatever. fishing, yeah. and people want to hear I lots mean, and lots of bass-driven songs yeah. about fishing. As, as ridiculous as it might be to listen to now, I, I respect the hell out of somebody who is like, here it is. I know exactly what I want, and well, I'm giving and, it I mean, to you. Yeah, and we we I mean we should talk about Primus at some point. Um, honestly, yeah. I'd love to do their first. It's not officially an album because it's sort of a live thing, but it's called Suck on This. I would actually rather do that than that's their first season. like release period. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like live shows in Florida. Um, I, it's before. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's actually my favorite. It's, it's like you know. It's like, I would anyway. be really curious to hear more about them because yeah, they they seem like such an anomaly for that time. Like, how did they get? Anywhere. Well, I mean, I have already said the word Florida, so everything yeah, you need to know is probably encapsulated. That is fucked up. Florida is yeah. fucked. They're like they're like the pit bull of the nineties. Um, all right. Well, so next awesome. week, milk music. I'm into it. And, uh, uh, yeah. All right. New episodes drop every Friday. Every Friday. You can find us on Instagram at We Listen to Records. You can find us on Twitter at We Listen to One. Yep. You can find us on Facebook um, if you're ancient and Shake use your butt. Facebook still. Uh, play it loud. Let's play it out. Shake your butt.